Welcome to the newest edition of the Rich Eisen Podcast presented by Papa John's. Six weeks into the National Football League season now, we are past the one-third post of this regular season, and we still don't even know anything about the National Football League. The NFC is filled with two and three lost teams, and even worse, there's not a single undefeated or one lost team in the entire National Football Conference. The AFC, a lot of people think, has the the elite teams in there, but even though the Jets are 5-1 and one, and the Patriots are 4-1 and one along with the Steelers and the Ravens are now 4-2, and two, I don't really think you can say any of these teams are a lock to make the Super Bowl at this point just yet. So things are completely wide open in the NFL right now, and that includes even the 1-4 Dallas Cowboys. Uh, I mean, you, you take a look at that division, and there's one team, two teams at 4-2 and two atop it with the Washington Redskins at 3-3. Three and three. If the Cowboys make a move, and that would start with this Monday night against one of those 4-2 and two teams in division, the New York Giants, uh, they, can, they can put some wins together still. So I don't think there's a fork stuck in the Dallas Cowboys just yet. I truly believe this is a wide-open National Football League, and we'll talk about that with one of my guests here on the podcast today who will be calling that Giants-Cowboys game on Monday Night Football. None other than John Gruden is going to be joining me on this podcast. We'll talk about all this stuff, too, with Dennis Miller, who's going to rejoin me. He joined us a couple weeks ago. He enjoyed the experience. We enjoyed it, too. We're going to have him back on to give us his thoughts in the NFL. But the hot topic this week that we'll also talk about with the worm and my producer on Sunday game day morning, Charlie Yook, who'll join the worm in our hot topic segment. The hot topic in the NFL right now is helmet to helmet hits and how the NFL is going to put more teeth in its policing of the policy to eradicate these helmet to helmet hits in the NFL. And for that, let's get right to it. The executive vice president of football operations of the National Football League, Ray Anderson, joining me on the podcast. Thanks for joining me, Ray. I appreciate it. Uh, pleasure, Rich. So, Ray, there's, there's, there's been a, quite a stir that's created. Are you surprised by the stir that you created by merely saying that you're going to put some more teeth into what's already in place in the National Football League? Not really surprised. Whenever you're, you're talking about uh, elevated uh, uh, enforcement of, of a current rule, which is interpreted as change, particularly in something as important as this, uh, you know, people react. So, uh, not surprised at all, very frankly, Rich. So basically what's happening is these helmet-to-helmet hits that you're seeing, it, it has just reached the point where you and the rest of the brass in uh, midtown Manhattan have decided we're going to start suspending people. Is that is – that, because I want to get into the genesis of this thing. Is that what's happening right now? Well, uh, and it's not just helmet-to-helmet, Rich. You know, we have expanded the protection to uh, – uh, players, particularly with the importance of this head and neck injury uh, prohibition we're trying to establish, that uh, in certain cases, if it's a forearm or a shoulder or a helmet, particularly in, in that category that we define as defenseless players, either offense or defense, uh, we want to prevent those initial contacts to the, to the head and neck area as well, not just helmet to helmet. I just want to get into the why now, the genesis of this. Were, were you watching the games uh, with a whole bunch of folks just by yourself, and then you you decided that enough's enough, and you picked up the phone? How did how did this come about after week six's play? Well, we've been we've been monitoring from the uh, beginning of the season because you know we enhanced the uh, uh, protection to 
defenseless players uh, in, in March with our competition committee. Uh, so we monitor every play, every game, both in our command center here. Uh, and then I spend uh, almost every weekend, Rich, out at a venue. So mm-hmm. I happened to be at the Kansas City at uh, San Diego game, and there was a television break, so I went up in the press area, uh, and the Atlanta uh, Eagle game happened uh, on television right in front of me. Okay, so you, uh, watched, you watched the Dante Robinson collision with, with Deshaun Jackson. Right there in the press box, and, and then I went back to my observer seat uh, and, and, and got on the uh, email because uh, I knew this was going to uh, have a lot of attention. And then subsequently uh, I saw the Harrison hit uh, on the receiver in his game. Massaquo, right. And then subsequently uh, I saw the hit uh, in the New England game, Baltimore game. Uh, and as I was coming back on, on the plane from San Diego, I knew that, we would have a lot of discussion uh, uh, in this office when we got back because it was very clear that uh, we had reached a point, Rich, in, 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 in my judgment, and then it certainly ended up in our collective judgment that uh, we've got to be more aggressive uh, in holding guys accountable because that was scary stuff. So, you were, again, uh, I think San Diego was in St. Louis and Kansas City was in Houston. So were you in oh, Houston? Yeah. You were, you yeah, were in- no, no, it was, uh, it was uh, uh, Kansas. Who was it? Whoever was in Oh, I was at Houston. Right, That's so right. you're in Houston, and you're watching, you watched, you, you just saw the Atlanta uh, Falcons-Eagles game on, on the tube, and then you just saw one hit after another, the Merriweather hit. And let's be honest here, Ray, I mean, that, that, that was ridiculous. Is it possible that you suspend him right now? Can he be the first guy under the new, uh, under the toothier rules that, uh, or enforcement right now? Well, well, you know, Rich, we're going through that process uh, right now. Uh, it's a, that's one where we've had a lot of uh, discussion. Uh, I, 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 that's a tough one because it certainly had no uh, football component to it. Uh, it was a flagrant foul. Uh, uh, you know, he was a first-time offender, so there's a little bit of a mitigating factor there. Uh, but as you look at that play, I don't think there's any question. You just can't hide it that uh, that, was, that was pretty cheap. Uh, so we we are in the in the final throws to be very candid with mm-hmm. you of determining what's appropriate there. Uh, I can be honest with you, Rich, and say one of the things that is factored in is that uh, you know what if you're going to establish a, a an elevated level uh, of discipline and accountability, uh, which may include uh, higher fines and or suspension. Uh, some fairness dictates that you give players and coaches and organizations. Uh, some very clear advance notice of your intention to do that. So you you, you don't want to make this uh, you don't want to do this ad hoc. You just want to be able right now moving forward week seven action. This is when you're going to start sinking your teeth further into whoever you think is a flagrant violator of these rules. Uh, that 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 there's a lot of sentiment for that, mm-hmm. uh, uh, and uh, I'm I'm telling you as we sit here, uh, that determination is is going to be made in the next hour or so. Uh, but I'm, I'm, I'm giving you, uh, very frankly, my feeling. Sure. I think there's a strong argument that uh, you may uh, find as aggressively as you've ever found uh, before in these areas, uh, but stay short of suspension because we just haven't given uh, uh, enough advance notice. Uh, but going forward, are we going to uh, uh, draw a very clear line in the sand uh, and, 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 and reiterate to coaches and players that, uh, the level of uh, uh, compliance uh, 
uh, is going to be higher under the existing rule, and we're going to hold you to an elevated level uh, of discipline uh, for that uh, compliance. So, did, 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 did the commissioner chime in on this when you got off the plane from Houston and you start getting together and you start getting on phones and conference calls? Did you involve the commissioner in this? Well, you know, you necessarily have to because safety has been our a key priority uh, since day one with commissioner, and certainly it was a big part of. Uh, my charge when I came in here uh, in knowing uh, the impact that this elevated discipline uh, uh, idea notion would have, uh, you certainly have to involve the commissioner in those discussions because at the end of the day, uh, it's his responsibility uh, uh, to uh, make sure we're all appropriately enforcing these rules, uh, particularly these safety rules, Rich. So the answer is uh, yes, you certainly uh, involve the commissioner uh, in, in, in our view and our thinking and the recommendations we're going to make in this area going forward. And in terms of getting together and making this recommendation, did Jeffrey Lurie's comments have any bearing in this? One of the owners of the NFL after that game in Philadelphia was very upset, saying that we need to, uh, in the NFL, the NFL needs to stiffen the penalties for helmet-to-helmet hits. Did his comments have any bearing on this? Did he call in on this conversation? Well, I haven't talking, spoken with uh, Mr. Lurie, but a, a number of things, Rich, uh, happened this, this, this prior to this weekend, including this weekend, the, uh, the, the, the horrible scene with the Rutgers kid. Uh, there's no question that uh, a, a lot of people, including owners and GMs, uh, of, of teams that were impacted on both sides of those hits uh, want to make their feelings known. So we, we take, uh, very frankly, it's part of my job, I, I take a lot of phone calls from a lot of folks uh, weighing in and giving their opinions. Uh, uh, I have not spoken with uh, Jeffrey Lurie. Whether or not he spoke directly with the commissioner, I can't answer to. Uh, but certainly uh, a number of folks uh, want to call in and give their opinion. Uh, but for me, as much as anything, seeing that kid in Rutgers uh, on Saturday uh, and then seeing uh, Deshaun and uh, Dunta laying on that turf in Philadelphia uh, on Sunday, that had as much impact on me as anything. And then very frankly, Rich, I'm not sure a lot of people know this, that uh, uh, you know, I lived through the Daryl Stingley thing because I used to work with the agency that represented Daryl. So I spent some time around Daryl in his wheelchair uh, incapacitated uh, and, and, and saw the pain and suffering that he went through as a result of a hit on the field that was, uh, in most people's estimation and certainly in mine personally, avoidable. So a combination of those things had me on the plane coming back, very frankly, uh, uh, disappointed, agitated, uh, but very frankly, uh, fired up about doing something a little more uh, impactful uh, to try to get our message across. You're referring to the Rutgers player who was paralyzed from the neck down in that horrific, um, the horrific instance uh, of this weekend on the college gridiron. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about what's avoidable because this is this is what gets under the skin of of the fan because the fan obviously wants to see players healthy. All the everybody wants to see these guys who do battle for our viewing pleasure and entertainment and entertainment dollars. Everybody wants to see these guys healthy. That said avoidable some of these hits Dante Robinson uh, Deion Sanders and and Michael Irvin every single player that I was watching this game with Warren Sapp Marshall Falk all of them thought that that hit was legal that they thought that that was just in the field of play that he is trying to separate the ball from a receiver that is uh, slight in weight 
And obviously, you got to hit him around in order to make sure that he's thinking about it the next time he comes across the middle, which is such a crucial part of this game. So many fans are concerned that erring on the side of caution is going to is going to remove that aspect from the game. What do you say to fans who have that concern, Ray? Well, you certainly uh, we understand that football is a very physical game, uh, and, and part of what makes it attractive, Rich, is that uh, at times it's controlled violence. Uh, but we, our pushback is that uh, our athletes uh, are important uh, as, as uh, human beings and, and players long term. Uh, so that you know, there are just certain things that we believe about our athletes, their, 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 their physical prowess and their intellectual prowess. Uh, we just believe that uh, if you make the rule very clear, as we have with this rule, we said going into this season, uh, when you have a defenseless player, in this case a defenseless receiver, uh, and you lead with the forearm, shoulder, or helmet, uh, even if the initial contact is, is not in the head or neck area, if it ends up in the head or neck area, it's a violation. So a combination of those things says, look, adapt. Figure a way to avoid those because it's more important for us to make it a very clear, almost strict liability scenario because it's so important to protect against these head and neck injuries. We understand uh, the notion that you don't want to soften the game, uh, but it's not a perfect world, so we're very comfortable in protecting against head and neck injuries uh, at all costs, uh, uh, and we think players will, will adapt, they should adapt, uh, because a life-altering occurrence is more important to us uh, than preserving the old notion that we used to play it that way. But this is this is the exact reason why you're one of the hottest guests in sports talk <laughs> right now, Ray. It's not because the people are in an uproar that the NFL wants to protect its players. It's because this is leading further down the path of an erosion of a physical style of play that people want to see when they watch the NFL. They see quarterbacks being protected. They see a lot of the defenseless receiver calls during the during the game that they don't perhaps agree with and when you say adapt i mean aren't kids at the 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 beginning levels of football taught to see what they hit and then hit somebody and then push up while wrapping up and in that case you're gonna get an inadvertent hit while somebody is trying to do something fundamentally sound don't you that's the issue here i think is that this is that that erring on the side of safety may just be eroding away what people have taken as fundamental football for so many years. Yeah, well, I think the folks who played football back in the day would uh, push back on you, Rich, and say, you know what, part of the problem is that our guys don't form tackle fundamentally anymore. They aren't wrapping up. uh, They aren't grasping. uh, They're lunging and launching uh, uh, and not wrapping up. Uh, you look at any of those plays, the three plays from this weekend, uh, and you can't show me one where a guy was fundamentally trying to wrap up and tackle. Uh, they were all upper body launches. Uh, so the pushback is, let's get back to the fundamentals. Uh, ironically, I had Mike Haynes in the office today, an all-pro to defensive back, uh, who said very clearly, you can adapt. Uh, the, the, the notion that players can't change the way they play to accommodate for higher safety, particularly head and neck injuries, uh, is just not viable. I actually saw Ted Bruschi uh, on on the show uh, this afternoon for a minute saying exactly the same thing, that don't believe them when they say players can't adapt. 
So there's a, there's a lot of folks who would take uh, exception to what Dion and the rest of them said and said, you know what, players can adapt. They should adapt. They will adapt uh, because they're going to have to adapt. Right? <laughs> Otherwise they can get sit down. So l- let, me, let me bring this subject up to you before we wrap up, Ray, because I like to, as you know, I don't just discuss and analyze and maybe point fingers. I, I suggest, you know. Yes. You understand that, right? So, uh, uh, absolutely. That's why you're as successful and Thank as you. attractive as you are. Thank you, Ray. Thank okay. you, Ray. <laughs> Thank you. And I, I take that from highest praise from an executive vice president of the NFL. Indeed. So, so, so with these new uh, – it's just it's an emphasis again it's not a new rule change it's a point of emphasis and and the fact That's that correct. the fact that you are uh so visibly talking about it it is an obvious obvious major initiative from the highest levels of the National Football League here so it's just going to be human nature that the officials on the field of play are going to be having a heightened awareness for something like this and because it is so bang bang why not have helmet to helmet hits a reviewable play in instant replay. Just a for instance, before you answer, this past weekend, the Jets, Jim Leonard, was called for a helmet-to-helmet hit on a Denver receiver on the sideline. And he hit him on the shoulder. It didn't even come close. Now the official's trying to do the right thing. It looked like a vicious hit. He did hit him on the shoulder. They did not connect helmets. They go under the hood to see if the receiver actually caught the ball with both feet down on the sidelines. And under the hood, you could see as part of the replay, it didn't happen. And why shouldn't the officials now pick up the flag? Because 15 yards is 15% of the field. I mean, that is a major penalty. Why not have this sort of stuff reviewed even on the other end? If it's not called, you go under the hood, you see it, and you throw the flag for 15 yards. Why can't something like that happen? Well, uh, I'm not sure it can happen, Rich, because as you say, you make suggestions, and that's a reasonable we are going to, as we do every offseason with the competition committee, circle back and review all of our rules. So with regard to uh, this emphasis on protecting, particularly against these uh, head hits, uh, illegal head hits under our current rule, everything will be on the table with regard to, okay, if we are going to improve in this area and we're going to hold players to a higher standard of accountability uh, for abiding by the rules, we may very well need to circle back and include some of the things that you have just mentioned as a way of mitigating if we make a mistake. So, so I thank you for the suggestion and suggest to you that, in fact, we will consider that amongst the uh, numerous other things that have already come in in our suggestion box, which for how we can uh, improve this whole area uh, and still at the end of the day, uh, be fair and not compromise the integrity and excitement of the game. Okay, now about the tuck rule. Let's get that out, too. I'm done with the tuck no. rule. <laughs> <laughs> I just figure if I'm on a roll and you're, like, saying, yes, that is something that we can take a look at, and I, I might as well go through my whole checklist. I hey, might this focus is on this week's right. uh, topic, okay? <laughs> well, just do me a favor. If you do change this, call it the Rich Eisen rule so I can get the credit. Because, you know, other people in my business, they glom on, they try and take stuff that they hear here and make it their own. So let's just let's just be lockstep about this, okay, Ray? Well, we've, we've, we've discussed this in a public forum, so you got witnesses all there over the place go. that this was your idea. Right. We appreciate it. I, again, I know you're busy. you got a lot of people tugging at you, and uh, we appreciate the time here. 
Quite uh, my pleasure, Rich. Good job, man. Thank you. That's the executive vice president of the NFL football operations, Ray Anderson, joining us on the Rich Eisen podcast. When we come back, hot topics in the league. The Worm gets his pizza. And Charlie Yook, the producer of NFL Game Day Morning, he wakes up even earlier than I do every Sunday. We'll talk about other hot topics in the league with John Gruden and Dennis Miller, still waiting in the wings on the Rich Eisen podcast presented by Papa John's. Get on the field with all the sights and sounds from inside the game. Two nights, two shows you can't miss. Get your field pass with NFL replay and sound effects. Tuesday and Wednesday starting at 8, only on NFL Network. Welcome back to the Rich Eisen Podcast presented by Papa John. We just had a very interesting conversation with the EVP of the National Football League, Ray Anderson, talking about the, the teeth, the new sharp teeth that will be placed into the adjudication of these helmet-to-helmet hits, the punishment that will be handed out to the perpetrators of these helmet-to-helmet hits in the National Football League. And we'll be talking about that in a minute with our uh, hot topic guys uh it's two of my producers here at nfl network one also mentioned that john gruden is coming up on this program along with dennis miller that is all still to come here on the broadcast and it's time now to welcome the worm back into the mix jason worms our senior producer here at nfl network how are you worm hi rich you must be very pleased because we have actual we've got pizza Papa we John's have got pizza, pizza. 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 Charlie Yook, Pizza. my producer of NFL Game Day Morning. Hello, Rich. One of, the, one of the best shows that we put on here, and it's a big bear of a program to produce, and you do a great job of it, Thank Charlie. You, sir. you good, do a great good, job as well. No, so this is weird being up at, uh, you know, not being up at like 1 o'clock in the morning. Uh, so is that when you stuff. wake up on Sunday? Again? Sunday morning, the alarm goes off at 1.30 oh a.m. That is so wrong. Standard that is time. so wrong. Yes, it is. Mine goes off at, uh, I feel like I should be like Gruden and set it for 3.17 yes. in the morning, but I, I push it back till about 3.30. Wow. Yeah. You get up one thirty in the morning, but well, that's what we do here yeah. because it's on at, at nine Eastern time, and we got to be here at six a.m. to uh, Pacific to get this thing up and running. But you've got your pizza here. Yes, right? you. Because uh, when I, I found out that Papa John's was going to finally do what you wanted, and they always wanted to do this, mm-hmm. it was just a couple weeks of miscommunication uh, to get you your pizza. You decided on what? Because I said it's your choice. What did you? What did you? Well, order we have there? to. We, I think we have to do both sides. I think you have to do animal. Mm-hmm. So we did sausage and pepperoni, mm-hmm. right. and then we did vegetarian. Right. So because we have people here who right, like right, both. Right. right. Okay. So I've shared, but I've shared. So you you got it all. That's all we've shared. Okay. And, and you, so uh, you got you got two pizzas. Yes. And I should mention that newpapajohns.com new is a better way to get a better pizza. There's a new interactive pizza builder. On this oh. website. You could build your own pizza interactively. You set up your own account with favorites for just one-click ordering. So all you got to do is just go on it and just set up your thing and just click, and suddenly you've Look ordered your that. pizzas. And you can get exclusive online offers like a large pizza with up to three toppings for only 10 bucks. So now you can worm. You don't even need it here. You could just do it yourself online. That's that's wow, how that's that's new school. And Wait, if you want to slice two, Charlie? Yeah, I love their garlic sauce. I love the pepperoncinis. There that's, you go. Yeah, lo- yeah. Look at you. Yeah. Look at you talking up my sponsor here. All right, so what do you guys think of the uh, this whole helmet-to-helmet stuff? What do you think of, of the, the idea of suspending people now if this happens? I've always been uh, a fan of if you do something illegal mm-hmm. and the player's out for X amount of time, that person who is the perpetrator, mm-hmm. 
they marry. They mirror the So if you knock them. somebody out for the season. You're out. For the season? You're out. You're out. What but about you, so, Charlie? Is that, that's it's so, I don't want to say something as simple as it's football, but it's so hard. These guys are playing at 100 miles mm. an hour. It's so fast. thinks that the offensive guy may dip his head or you're going to dip your shoulder in. It's just, it's so, the game is so fast and people have never seen the game on the sidelines. It's so fast. It's just like, here's, here's a prediction. That's, here's a prediction. Right. I, and I don't know what, we don't know what's going to happen in terms of the, these so-called new penalties mm -hmm. or suspensions. Right. But a real, it, realistically, the Robinson hit cannot be, the guy cannot be suspended. He can't I don't be. think they're going to suspend him, but they'll can't. they'll find him. And and Ray said that that even on that hit, that's the hit. He said that he was sitting there in Houston uh, at the game, right? And he saw it on the screen, and that got him started. That we needed to do something about this. He was saying something's got to be done about it. That's what he said. And but I agree with you. That yeah. seemed to me just to to yeah. be in the course of the play. Right. And but he seems to think that that somebody like Robinson can adapt seeing Deshaun really? Jackson come over the middle. Yeah. And he says that Mike Haynes thinks that, and Mike Haynes has got a bust in Canton. His his. His job is to make sure the ball is not in the hands mm -hmm. of Jackson. That's his job. That's true. He came right across the middle, and I don't know. I mean, I, but I, you're right, though, Charlie, about it being so fast. It it's is so, so fast. That's why I think, and Ray Anderson just said this. I want everyone to know this. He just said that they would consider making this a reviewable play mm. under replay. You should be it's able to idea. review it because it's these guys idea. are going to throw flags under the air of caution, and you're going to end up seeing on replay helmets hitting shoulders, right. helmets hitting chests, and, and 15 yards on top of all this stuff. It's just crucial. It's crucial. These fifteen yards. I agree. I think replay. I think if there's any solution to that, that is a better solution. One. Right. I think the Jim, the Jim Leonard play. Jim Leonard hit Lloyd. That's what I brought up to Ray and Anderson. Got, and they oh, and they reviewed it to see whose feet, if the guy's feet were down. Yes. And I Pereira told me for seven years that when replay, if you review something, and you, you see better, something else, you, you better be careful about what you wish for because any time a ref goes under the hood, he has the ability to change anything that he sees under there, including that call. They. This is what uh, listen. Pereira is no longer, you know, with 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 uh, the NFL, oh. so I haven't asked Pereira. But I would assume that if you look under the hood and you see you've already called helmet to helmet, and then you see the helmet actually contacting a shoulder, you should pick the flag up. I agree, totally agree. You know that, yep. that's that's what should happen, but it didn't. And and in the end, interestingly enough, the Jets got a call on the the one yard line on a fourth down heave at the end of that game. Uh, from from Mark Sanchez and uh, a pass interference call went against Denver, and and uh, and a lot of people are saying that that, that should call. no longer be a spot foul. That's well, I, I think I think I think there should be two different fouls. There should be the intentional and kind of the unintentional, kind of like the old face mask rule, the five and the fifteen. Yeah, but they got that out of the out of the rule book because you know I mean okay, intent. But, but, I mean you want yeah, these but, referees to be. I mean these guys are not dancing with the stars judges trying to figure out what the right celebration is flowers, or what the grade of flowers, what degree is. You know you, Brandon Flowers. First of all, didn't even touch mm -hmm. Andre Johnson in that last drive. Okay, he got flagged full yardage. Mm -hmm. Okay, mm -hmm. if it was even partial, it's five or it's five or ten yards further up the field there. Okay, I'm not saying you know the referees blew the call. Well, that's that's a but if it's in if Houston, it, in, oh, completely blew the call. In fact, anyone should have been penalized. It should have been Johnson because he pushed off. Well, what you, about the Jets Broncos game? What do you think, Charlie? You think, I, mean, I, I mean, the guy grabbed a, his face mask. He did, but I don't like it being a spot should foul. Should have been a 15 yard I, foul. I really don't. 15 it's yard just, foul. 
He cheated. Although, but on the flip side, now I'm contradicting myself, but on the flip side, you're, you're going to see wide receivers just get killed and pummeled then, and they'll just like, oh, we can just take the 15 instead of getting the spot ball. Exactly no, 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 no. I'm not, but I'm not saying it. I want a, I want a full, full yardage penalty, and I want a spot foul. I want a spot foul. Spot, so the spot, spot foul, foul would go 15. against guys who intentionally grab somebody. For example, mm-hmm. in the, the if Jenkins pulled down the receiver for the Vikings, if that was 15 yard, that was 40 yards down the field in the last, in the last drive, the last, in the last two minutes of the game on right. Sunday. That was 40 yards down the field. Absolutely spot. He grabbed him and threw him to the ground. I mean the versus, one, the one that essentially ended the game. Yes, ver, versus the oh he touched him or the Brandon Flowers thing, which was wrong. But the, the, the oh by the way the touch the the, the legs get caught mm-hmm. whatever. My, not, look, it is not as Charlie brought up. We've all been on the sideline of games. I was on, I've been on the sideline the last couple of years for dot com. It is so. Fast. People Nobody so had no idea. So they are huge. Again, that's why I think it should be reviewable helmet to helmet. These things happen so fast. Yep. And and you with your your stat that you come here every mm-hmm. week that if if a team converts a second or, or and third and fifteen or longer, mm-hmm. how more often than not the the team will essentially go down and score some points. It has happened the la- this last three weeks. Mm-hmm. It's had pardon me. It's happened eighteen times. Mm-hmm. Okay, the, the team has scored right. fifteen touchdowns. It is a Big, big thing, especially a number of them, two mm-hmm. or three of them, were penalties. Right. So so 15 yards is, is, is huge. It's interesting to note, too, that Denver, some people, uh, Bronco fans, might be upset on that call that go, you know, where the Jets are giving the ball in the one. Right. Uh, two weeks before in Tennessee, same thing happened to Denver's benefit. Mm-hmm. Chris Hope got called with a pass interference. It was a right call. He was yep. face guarding, ran right into the receiver. Boom. Ball on the one-yard line, Tennessee loses, Denver wins. Yeah. So, you know, you live by it, you die by it yep. in that respect. Charlie, your Chicago Bears, talk to me about them. What, what, <sighs> what, what do you think is wrong with the Chicago Bears? How much time we got? The good thing, I want to say hello to all the Chicago listeners that I emailed to make sure you listen to the there podcast today. Uh, it, it's, it's interesting when I've spoken to guys back home and just you guys. It's, you you got to place the blame on, and I hate saying this, but everybody, it's, if you're Jay Cutler, you can't hold on to the ball that long. If you're Mike Martz, don't have him drop back seven, you know, for seven step drops. If you're Lovey, you got to say something. And if you're Jerry Angelo, explain how you've drafted one offensive lineman in the first round and one offensive lineman in the fourth round since 2002. You got to explain that to me. You got a guy starting, you got seventh rounder starting on the right side. And Chris Williams, who you took 14th overall, was supposed to be the left tackle of the future, is now your left guard who didn't play well. So I think it's a question we got to ask on, on Sunday, but it's just I don't know how you can fix an offensive line that is obviously this bad, but you're still 4-2 somehow and leading the division. Well, we got Marshall Falk, our resident Mike Martz expert on the NFL game day Sunday uh, a morning show. Are, are you giving me a little glimpse of I'm what we're talking I'm giving you a little about? glimpse. I think we gotta, we got to talk about what... How to how to fix the the Bears problem and what is the problem? Because that's a big game on Sunday it's too. A big is game. The Redskins at the Bears and you got two homecomings there. You got McNabb coming home and played his high school bar, ball at Mount Carmel, and you got uh, Rex Grossman coming. Oh, that's Chicago touching. Well. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> I think the Rex Grossman angle right. might be a little bit lost. It's I'll ju- be honest with right. you. I think he said he he's expecting booze, Rich. I think Rex <laughs> said he's expecting booze for when when he puts on his helmet. Whenever I mean, he puts he on his headset or field. Ugh. Rex is expecting booze. Your G Men. Mm-hmm. I'm going to talk about this with Grudes because yeah. it's a Monday night game, a big Monday night game with the Giants at the it's Cowboys. It's a strange spot you you're in. Now, I'm, I'm, I'm wondering, uh, by the way, again, yes. uh, uh, before we get into this, 
with the Giants having issues against the Lions this past week. You were there, Charlie, right? But I predicted it. You were, you were, I mean, you were out of your head. You were out of your head. You had Sap, Falk, Dion, Irvin mm-hmm. laughing how angry you were mm-hmm. when the Giants were up 13 and were throwing up it on 11. third and short. Up, up 11. 11? Up 11 and throwing it on yeah. short, third and short. When, when you go 60 Screaming. yards down the field. Screaming your head. Running out. the football beautifully. Killing them. Clock running. Six and a half minutes off the clock. Killing them. First down, what do I do? I'm going to roll to the left and then throw some Fakata fade rule to to Steve Smith. What is that? I don't know if we what have. Do we have to bleep out Yiddish slang? What is I don't that? Know if we, I don't know if we have to do that. What, what and, is going on? And you have you given him already a heads up about a guest you're having in a couple of weeks about what he needs to say? Oh yeah, my father's coming. Jason, who's a by the way, Catholic. by the way, he's and, uh, he's. It's, hold on a minute. Your dad, your dad's my father. Coming? He's five four, about one hundred twenty pounds. Just you know, still scares the living daylights out of me. He'll be here, I believe, November seventh. Okay. okay. Uh, watching a game out on the stage. For those of you who've never seen it or heard it, it's an interesting experience with Worm. Oh no, uh, we talk about that every week. Here, yeah, Charlie. Yeah. So I'm not sure if my dad can 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 stomach it. Or even take it, but we'll see. Maybe it'll be interesting. May I reply? May I reply? And, 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 and this is his philosophy here, Charlie, so you need to maybe give your dad a heads up, because what's your reply? If, he's, if, you, if, you, if his father is here and is a very devout staunch. religious man, staunch Catholic. religious man, and you start pulling the worm business... What's what? his fault? <laughs> there you have it. It's your dad's fault. Dad, it's going to be your fault. But here's the thing. For the next four weeks, you don't get any of it. Because the Giants are, what, the, by the, weekend? The, no, or? we've got Monday night. Right. Off. Yeah. Four fifteen. Right. Uh, Eight twenty. There you go. So if oh, your dad's great. here for early games, it's fantastic. So, but, no, but but worm, you, you still get you still you still the overall opine. Yeah. The oh, the the oeuvre, the yes. worm oeuvre. Yes. You get the you get the full tapestry, the, the, full, the, the worm tapestry. Because because he's because he still gets very upset at bad football, right. slow football, slow football is poor awful. clock management. We got to get you upset. Nothing was better oh. than last year. I remember there was like a group of kids sitting in the back row, and you were just going off. Well, he did this. No, it was just stunned. two weeks ago. That's where he said, stunned. firstly, on, by the way, thanks for listening to the podcast. We talk uh, about this every week. I, wanna... I know you wake up at one in the morning or something, <laughs> but listen, we talked about that actually, Charlie, a few weeks ago when we had a nine-year-old in here, and, and I said to him, well, he's a nine-year-old here, <laughs> you need to tone down your language, and he said, quote-unquote, it's his fault. Just well, I was never told. I, again, I am. You need the heads up. But you, very, listen, you've been given the heads up. You've been given the heads up. Mr. Yook is, is coming. Mr. Yook is coming. Now, we got Gruden coming up. You you both worked with Gruden? Yes, love Gruden. When he was here? Mm. Right? Yeah. <laughs> now, what, what? Gruden is still calling you, even though he's not really calling you? What's Gruden, going on here? Gruden does something that's very interesting, and I don't know how or why, because, mm-hmm. again, it's, it's my first initials a C, my last initials a Y. I don't know how it would be programmed in his phone, but about two to three times a week, I get a pocket dial. <laughs> Or a butt dial, or some kind of dial. What are you hearing? And there are times I just hear just static or nothing. But there's been multiple times where I hear like Tarico and Jaws in the background, <laughs> and I'm kind of wondering: is he? I'm just waiting to hear like what? It, what are they going to say? Am I going to hear Susie maybe in the background? Susie Calder. I don't, I don't know. Could be. Little but it goes on for two minutes, and then it stops. I haven't heard anything super. Interesting. I just right. it just it's just kind of weird. I we don't we don't need to call the league office or anything like I don't that. Think so. you're okay, yet, but yeah. but so you're being pocket dialed serial serial pocket dialed. I I, I, I wish I was kidding, but it's two to three times a week, mm. and once once you always hear like a meeting, and another time it's always at the the weirdest time at like seven a.m. Well, he's up at all hours of the night. It's I mean, very apparently. I like football, Charlie. Charlie, 
Do you like football? Is that your Gruden? You, that's pretty good Gruden. You, guys, Worm, <laughs> do you know I like Notre Dame football? I said, Coach, I know that. I don't because I root for the Ivis. Do you know Bardia? I like Notre Dame football. He went right by me. <laughs> Just right by me. I like, I love Notre Dame football. I'll tell you what, they broke the mold with him. Oh, he's I can't, unbelievable. I can't wait to have him on the podcast. He's, Guy's unbelievable. That's going to be in the next segment. What Do you we, like football, Charlie? He, I mean, it's these rhetorical questions. Mm-hmm. He's a, so, so to, to have a, be on a broadcast where it starts with, are you ready for some football? It's, right. it's a perfect It should be match. just John Gruden saying, do you like football? He should uh, just stare at the camera right. and do it. I might be the only one who's sick and tired of Hank Williams. They need to turn the page there. But then again, I like I'm both country, country and western. I didn't know that. You do? Yes. Country and western. God, you have so many layers. What is onion. coming up on Sunday game day morning? We've got a lot of good stuff. We've got uh, Marshall Falk is going to sit down with Adrian Peterson. Ah. Uh, that's going to be a, that'll be a good that'll, one. That'll be an excellent Sunday sit down. You don't normally promote uh, the, well, that's, a, that's the Sunday night game. Yes. Ah, very good. Okay, yes. very good. And because okay. another guy is going to be going back to Green Bay that night, too. Something's going Oops. on there. We're going to be Something's talking. going on. There's a game going on there? Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm sure you were going to talk Eagles, quarterbacks a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, we definitely want to talk Chicago, uh, their offensive line. That's a huge game. I, th- I think, you know, just looking at the schedule, mm-hmm. people just, okay, Pittsburgh, Miami is a big game. Obviously, Philly, Tennessee. But I think that Washington, Chicago game is just that's a huge that's a big game. Well, to the end of the year. I was that'll, be, about, that'll have some, all some tiebreaker ramifications. Tiebreaker ramifications. Yeah. It's all a conference game. You're playing yeah. head-to-head. Yeah. That is going to matter. That is going to matter. Yep. Right. we got reporters in Atlanta, Chicago, Miami, Tennessee. Uh, it's going to be jam-packed. It's amazing how many times we say uh, after the four-hour show, boy, I, we still had a couple. You know, I wish we could have done this. We wish we could have done that. We could do that. a five-hour show, we but don't do, give ooh, anybody any ideas that. here. You'll get, up at, you'll, get, you'll get up Saturday night right. for the Sunday so morning show. No sleep. It's like it would be like the Jerry Lewis telephone every week. Right. You know programming. You give them an inch, they'll oh, take a yard. Yes. They'll yes, take it. Yes. We went on the air. We went on the air for game day highlights a half an hour early this past week because the the Cowboys Vikings game was cruising and somebody sitting I don't know where in an office here or in New York decided we need to we need to get on the air right away Ouch. and as soon as as soon as soon as that game was over to get the audience you know and uh, I was you know I was wondering. I was somewhere else mentally. I mean, <laughs> no, yes, I, I, I mean that, that yes, four-hour show in the morning and the 3.30 wake-up and then doing the highlights Dallas. afterwards, my God. You're slowing the, you're slowing the get... puncher on the, on the... Yeah, that's fun, though. There's no doubt about it. It's fun. And, and any other games leap out at you for this coming week? This coming up this uh, week? you got the handy-dandy schedule right there. I think there. New England-San Diego. Interesting little thing. San Diego needs that one. They are a mess. Well, they're Jekyll and Hyde. How, are they, road, they're how, are they, how is Norv in four, is it four seasons or five seasons? Mm. They, they have slow never all the time. been over 500 after six weeks. Slow how is that time. possible? I don't know. I don't think they're actually, I don't think talent-wise they're at the level they were a couple of years ago. They've but outgained not. their like, opponent by like 1,000 yards. 1,000 yards. So that, is that the Chiefs division? I mean, we all laughed about I'll tell you it. What, we all laughed hard, about man. it after week three, thinking the they Chargers will come game. around they eventually. Were ripped, they were they were kind of ripped off in that game. In but Houston. you know what? They are mentally they're strong enough that they will overcome that, mm-hmm. and they're gonna they're gonna they're gonna I think they'll beat Jacksonville this week. I right. mean, if the Chiefs win that, wow, it wouldn't surprise me. It's entirely. Possible. They get it if they get it out of seven. If seven starts playing ball for them, they are going to be dangerous because they can run it. And there's something, guys. I'm sitting on the game day morning set all the time, wondering 
because uh, uh, you're you're the producer in the in the booth, Charlie. How many yep. stop signs has Michael Irvin run through so far this year? He Ooh. seems to be doing a pretty he's, good job he's of it. Doing better because you're the one who gets in his ear and says, "Rap." He's you doing know, better. You need to get right. Keep, you know, make sure you know this. Mooch is next. Marshall's next. But I mean, so you're you're putting up the stop if sign I were in the third base tickets, box, right? If I were giving tickets, mm-hmm. he would have gotten about five in the first two weeks. Okay. And since then, maybe five total. So okay. that's not bad. All right. That's so he's bad. he's improving. He's improving. Now, uh, this is my first year doing this. Is this normal? And then, because does he, does he begin to think that he's given you a few weeks back and he can right. now run through more stop signs well, in the you know, I don't know if the people, season? I don't know if people know this. Michael likes to talk. Yeah. Um, mm. He likes to stand up. And right. He, and, he, and sometimes he thinks he's, I think he thinks he's preaching at a mm. certain point. So, uh he, it, this is about normal. This is normal. Yeah, this is about normal. Okay. Yeah. All right, now let's get to your promo real quick before we get to Gruden and, and Dennis Miller. Poe versus well, Leftist Insurgents. Hold on a minute. Oh, we How many pizza. weeks have we done ah, this now? Pizza! Pizza's oh, here! I know the pizza's here. You're excited. You've, you've, all right, hold on a minute. Sorry. Let's set up. This is what we do every time before you, you mention the games. It's on, it was on, birthday Sunday. Hold on a minute. These are the the, I, 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 you're about to tell me the games on NFL Replay this week. Mike Ditka, hit it. Okay, what are the what are the games? I don't even know the games. Mike Ditka doesn't know the games. Why don't okay. you let him know? What are the what are the games, Worm, on NFL uh, replay? Poe versus Leftist Insurgents. What is that? Ravens versus Patriots. Poe. Po. Uh, okay, Poe versus Leftist Insurgents. Uh, 8 o'clock t- on Tuesday. Mm-hmm. 9.15 is uh, Blue Star versus Horn Norseman. Blue Star versus Horn Norseman. That's like Cowboys that. versus Vikings. Okay, what are you, what Wednesday, you? Native American Fossil v. Toro. 8 o'clock. <laughs> American fossil because of that's that's yeah, what the, the arrow yes. very arrow against the Texas and the, that's a Gus Johnson game oh right? yes got to mention Dude, that you don't even need it's like it's not even wired it's like wow we have all this NFL films no, wired the teams it's are saying all this Johnson. it's a Gus Johnson game wow all right what else oh, you got I didn't want to do that because I didn't want to blow out I know, Del I know the Sarah other the other the, game uh, is Mammal v uh, versus the uh, cheese headed. Consolidators. Okay, so, so that's the the Packers hosting. AJ Hawk wired. There you go. Game. Wired for Sunday. Charlie, I will see you uh, bright and early on Sunday yes, morning. Sir. But the Saturday we we have our meetings uh, that are half as long as the actual show right. on Saturday afternoons. I'll see Correct. you there. Thanks for being on the Thanks podcast. You bet, Worm. We'll see you next. Thank week. you. That's the hot topics on Rich Eyes and podcast presented by Papa John's with Papa actually in the house in front of you, Worm. He's <laughs> on the box. Got to get a picture of you eating a slice for the, okay. the block. We'll do that. Uh, Gruden and uh, Dennis Miller, Lurk, still on the run. With NFL.com's Game Rewind, you can relive every big NFL moment again and again. Watch every game in HD and on demand. Sign up now at NFL.com slash Game Rewind. You want the NFL? Go to the NFL. Welcome back to the Rich Eisen Podcast presented by Papa John's. Dennis Miller is waiting in the wings. We've already spoken with Ray Anderson and also with uh, the Worm and Charlie Yook, who uh, our next guest knows very well because he produced him while he spent a cup of coffee here with the NFL Network. He is a Super Bowl champion head coach and also a voice of Monday Night Football on ESPN, one of the best in the business already at doing what he does, one and only John Gruden. How are you, John? Hey, Rich, that's awful nice of you. Thanks for having me on, man. It's my pleasure. It's great listening to you. It sounds like you're loving it. Are you loving it? I am having a good time. I'm with a great group of guys. Mike Tirico is one of the best, and, and Ron Jaworski and I have a lot of fun. And 
against a great team, and we always have a great game, it seems, although last night's game was a little <laughs> yes. bit lackluster. But we've, we've had a lot of fun, and we've, we've enjoyed some good games. Yeah, I know, and you got another one coming up this week, the Giants at the, the Desperate Cowboys, and we want to get to that in a minute. But you're right, Tariko is a Rolls-Royce. I mean, it's, it's, it's basically there's no bumps in the road. You hit a pothole, you can't tell. He is just one of the best in the business, and I enjoy listening to the by-play with you and Jaws. And like I said, it just comes across. One of the best compliments I can get from people is it makes it sound like it's. It, they, they tell me that you seem to be enjoying yourself, and that definitely comes through through with you. And uh, and 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 that's why I was wondering if if it if it is. And you were you know you're 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 talking about your other your other compatriots, but what about you? Are you you and you really enjoying this media thing? Well, I am enjoying it because I get to prepare. I do get to study two teams. I'm not an expert on all the other teams in the league, but I study the two teams that we have on a weekly basis, and I get to stay up on top of what's going on with the X's and the O's and the personnel, and I get to see you practice and watch your facilities, and it's been very informative. I've really enjoyed it, and you know, there's no substitute for coaching, Rich. It's nothing like that, but... We are having fun. I do enjoy it. I look forward to each each week, and hopefully that continues. One of the things that Mariucci really enjoys, because I talk about this all the time with him, we're always afraid that we're going to lose him to go back to coaching, because as you say, many people who coach, there really is no substitute for it. But he's enjoying just spending time with his family, just doing things like going to movies, you know, things that you just couldn't do as a head coach in the NFL. Is that sort of the stuff you're doing too? Yeah, there's no question. I am the assistant offensive line coach here at Carrollwood Day High School. <laughs> yes. We're six and one, and my son's a junior quarterback. I've really enjoyed that. I get to see my sons a lot more and spend some quality time with my family. And my mom and dad live a short four or five miles from my house here in Tampa. Mm-hmm. And those are things you don't get back in life. And sometimes you got to smell the roses a little bit. And maybe getting fired was a good thing. Who knows? <laughs> no one wants to get fired, though, John. <laughs> I mean, did you did you take that hard when you when you were fired? Was that something that you took hard? Yeah, man. I mean, I took it very hard. It's been the first time that I had been fired. And it's hard when someone says, you're not good enough. We don't want you to, to do this for us anymore. And it took me a while to get over because it's all I knew how to do. It's all I did. I put a lot of energy into it, had a lot of pride. But uh, it was a good wake-up call for me. Fortunately, I had a chance to work with you guys mm-hmm. at the NFL Network and then uh, get this opportunity with ESPN at Monday Night Football. And Life goes on. You just can't stay down. You got to get up. You got to brush yourself off, and you got to move on. And I know I speak for a lot of people out there that have had to do the same things. Right. And, and speaking of you know your time here at NFL Network, Charlie Yook was just on in the previous segment. He wanted me to tell you to stop pocket dialing him. He, he says <laughs> he's you're... at the bottom of the he's at the bottom of my contacts, man. <laughs> the Yookster. <laughs> and he's the best or what? You guys got a great team there yeah. as well, but uh, Charlie Yook. Yeah, you know, he says you pocket dial him at least twice a week, John. I do, I do. I try to do it at three o'clock in the morning just to make sure he's working. <laughs> so is that? Was that a myth, or did you wake up all the time at three seventeen in the morning? Every no, I'm day? up early. I, I have my alarm set for three seventeen just in case I I, I, get, I need it. But mm-hmm. I'm nocturnal. I don't sleep very much. I, I, I've looked at this a lot of different ways. I've mm-hmm. seen sleep specialists. I've seen doctors. And what the heck, I got a projector, I got a nice little office down here in Tampa loaded with films and beta cams, I got plenty to do. So you're so you're you're still padding around the house at like 3.30, 4 in the morning still? No, I went down behind Publix Grocery Store here and rented an office. Mm-hmm. I've got a, a little key, I've got a little hole to go into every day, my own coffee pot, my wife got me a little refrigerator. Mm-hmm. And she 
She doesn't mind me getting up at two thirty, three o'clock in the morning as long as she knows where I am. So you, so you're still getting up in in the middle of the night and watching game film. Is that really right. what's happening? Yeah, you have no idea. And about four thirty, five o'clock every morning, I hear coaches, high school coaches, Jim Levitt from South Florida. I've got a lot of coaches that are coming in there with me and mm-hmm. studying tape. And you know, we prepare for the Cowboys and Giants this week. I'll have four or five coaches in there watching tape with me. And, it's enjoyable. It gives gives us something to do. So you you got coaches from the college game and from your local area that are coming in and hanging with you in the in your little hole in the wall in the publics, basically, and and watching film. Is that what I'll ha- send you? I'll send you a shirt and a hat, Rich. It's yeah. the FFCA headquarters, the Fired Football Coaches <laughs> Association. We've had Chip Kelly, even Coach Dungey, stop by to say hello. I had Rich Gannon. We've had all kind of people come in there. Al Groh was in there from Georgia Tech. Mm-hmm. A lot of recruiters come down. And, and we're up in there and we're working. And you know me. I mean, I love football and especially the this, this strategy, uh, you know, the things behind the scenes, how to make a first down, what's going on in the red zone. And you can't learn that unless you study the tape. Statistics only tell a very small part of the story. I'm, I'm listening to you, John, and it sounds like you're missing coaching. That's what it sounds like to me. Would I be right in saying that? Well, I don't know. I, I, I tell you what, Rich, it's given me an opportunity to study other teams. I've had a chance to study the spread option in college football, which just blows my mind. And I've had a chance to study other teams' defense, other teams' offense. I've really enjoyed this. Instead of having to worry about what we have to do to make a first down or what our team has to do to get off the field, you do have an opportunity to look at a lot of different ways to do things. And who knows, if I ever get a chance to come back and coach, hopefully I'll be a little bit better. So it, it's something that you're not, you're not seeking, but if it seeks you out, you're, you would listen to a coaching opportunity? Yeah, I think I might. You know, again, I, I am not even thinking about it right now. I'm totally blessed to be doing what I'm doing, and, and um, it's my second year. I think I'm getting a little bit better at broadcasting. Hopefully we can finish strong and put together a real solid season. But what the future has in store, I have no idea. But in the time being, I'm going to prepare myself just like I always have to stay on top of what's going on. Yeah, hey, uh, listen, I told you when when you did the draft with us on NFL Network, I mean, you and I had a, a, I pulled you aside. You didn't even come up to me. I didn't care. I told you, you could be the next John Madden in our business. I mean, you could do this as long as you want, John. I mean, because the way you, you, you drip with passion, the way you talk about the game, I think really connects with fans and you tell it in such a, 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 a manner that really relates to the, to the everyman. And you could do this as long as you want, but it seems to me, you know, certainly when I look at Mariucci, when we, we travel to games, he's putting his hands on his hips, you know, on his, on his, on his knees. He's looking out. He's talking to refs. I mean, once he's at the game, he just slips back into that mode of, of game day. He doesn't have the headset on, but it, you could tell he misses it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, no, I appreciate that coming from you, especially. And it's, it's hard, you know, to walk out of the stadium. You do miss the feeling of victory and sharing that with your team and your staff. And you also miss the opportunity to redeem yourself. You know, those are things that you miss. But I've really connected with fans. I have a blast with fans on the road. We have our own Monday night football truck. We're out there in the parking lot high-fiving. We're having a blast at our camera meetings. Uh, We do get excited about the game of the week, whatever it is that we have. And, We've got a good schedule coming up. We've got Tennessee and Houston, Dallas and the New York Giants, and I still 
really get fired up every time I hear the theme song. Yeah, to, <laughs> me too. But everyone does too. Tariko tells me you you essentially you essentially go over a tape with the crew for an hour and a half before each game each week. Is that true? Yeah, I drive them crazy, man. You love this. I I make cut ups mm-hmm. of each of the two teams, and it might be the ten keys that I think Dallas Cowboys, where they are, the 10 keys of the Dallas Cowboys or the seven or eight keys of the New York Giants. And instead of just coming in there and talking or typing up a little document and sending an email, we have a meeting and we watch the tape. We might watch the Tennessee Titans wide receivers block. Maybe that's something that will come up during the game. And if you watch Chris Johnson's touchdown, Mm -hmm. Damian uh, Williams makes a great block. Uh, Because some of the things that you see on film, you don't see on a on a memo or in a statistic, and um, that's what we do. We try to tie everything together in a production meeting. We call it a silver session because these tapes I bring are all silver. They're old silver beta cams that I've doctored up in my little dungeon down here in Tampa, and we have a heck of a time, man. You're welcome to sit in anytime you want. Uh, I'm I'm going to take you up on that. I definitely want to see this thing firsthand because it seems like a, a unique setup that you got there in the public. And plus, if I ever need, you know, like a bag of, of munchos or something, I can just go around the corner and go right into the supermarket and pick uh, some up. Oh, you'd be big, man. You're such a star now on that NFL <laughs> network, man. You're the only channel my kids are watching. Right? I appreciate that. They're just take it and rip the knob off on that. Do you <laughs> yeah. think Do you think the spread offense can work in the National Football League? Do you think that this isn't actually what we're seeing in college, dominating the college game, can actually be brought to the next level in a major successful way? No, I don't think I don't think so. Uh, I think certain elements can. You know, if you watch the game carefully, people are running the spread op- option a lot more than you think. Now, the spread option that is in pro football is either to hand the ball off or pull it out and throw a bubble screen or pull it out and throw a quick screen. If you counted the number of bubble screens and one-step quick screens that are thrown each Sunday. It would blow your mind, and that is an element of the spread offense. In college, it might be a triple option where you can hand it, you can run it, or you can throw it. But in pro football, I think because of the quarterback getting hit, they're focused on either handing it to a back or throwing it to a skilled receiver. But it is making progress. It is making dents into the pro game. But I just don't think there will be a quarterback that can withstand the kind of punishment for 16 weeks, and now they're talking about 18 weeks. So uh, I don't think it'll be a, a big part of your offense, but certainly a part of it. Do you think an 18-game schedule is a mistake, John? I do. I mean, I, I don't know who's going to play. If you look at the Green Bay Packers right now, I mean, Ryan Grant's out, Jermichael Finley's out, Nick Barnett's out, and out for the season. I don't know who's going to play in Week 17, 18, and in these playoffs and in the Super Bowl. You know, we're, we're getting a, a lot of publicity here regarding concussions and violent hits. Um, and, and player safety is a huge issue. And 16 regular season games with 53 players is already uh, close to impossible if you ask me. And 18 games would be would be very, very difficult, although although I do know there is a, a lot of reason for considering it. Yeah, but they'd also, no doubt, they're also would be talking about expanding rosters, but also making the offseason different, that they would change the culture in which voluntary is technically mandatory, and that there might be fewer OTAs and, and, and maybe even a moratorium on when a player... Just that players are just not allowed in a facility. It's just facilities must shut down and make the off season or the non-playing season longer for players. Do you think coaches would be able to handle that? 
Yeah, I think they can handle it. You know, I also think you have to be realistic. These players have a lot at stake. They have their own private trainers. They have their own physicians. They have a whole staff of people that work on them while they're away. And one of the reasons why a lot of coaches believe in this off-season program and having their players around is so they can, A, learn their system of football, B, become a football team and get to know each other because there is so much turnover on rosters and on the staff, and C, you want to get the player conditioned like you think a football player should be conditioned, and sometimes there's disagreements there. Everybody has their own health guy, meal cooker, (laughs) chefs. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's an amazing uh, conversation that, that would probably take a lot more than this conversation we're having rich right so but my, i guess the way i'm uh, i'm going is that the coaches view so much in the off season that voluntary really is mandatory and and the league i think if they do expand and the players association would expect this of the league would try and change that culture do you think coaches would be able to handle that change that voluntary really is that that if this is something that the players don't have to be at by letter of the cba or their contract that it shouldn't be held against them. Do you think coaches will be able to handle that? Oh, absolutely. You know, my dad coached in the NFL in the 80s, and that was when there was a lot more continuity. That was before free agency, and a lot of teams had little or no off-season work, and it was just the way the, the game went. But now with free agency and the way that players have turned over as much as they have, I think there, there's been a, a real emphasis on these off-season programs, but I think the coaches could certainly deal with that. They're going to have to make some concessions. Uh, when you change your regular season schedule to 18 games, uh, there's going to be some concessions made on both ends. All right, let's talk about your Monday night game. The Cowboys, so many people have stuck a fork in them because they're 1-4. and four. They got the Giants this week on Monday night football. Do you think the Cowboys have an opportunity to still make the playoffs at 1-4 and four? in that uh, division? You know, I'm one of these optimistic guys, and everybody thinks that that's just John Gruden blowing smoke. But the Dallas Cowboys, I'm just looking at their roster. They're capable of winning eight straight games and and, and winning the, the division outright. This is too talented of a team to be talking about being dead five games into the season. They're only two games out. There's nobody in the NFC that's really blowing me away right now with having all three phases together. So I think the Cowboys are in this thing. They've just got to get their karma back. They need to win a football game and try to get on a roll, but they've got to exercise some demons around there. There's some bad karma. Yeah, what, what is it, though? I mean, can you put your finger on it? Because offensively, you know, so many people point the finger at Jason Garrett, but you look at their stats, and they're in top three in most categories, except, of course, scoring, which is the biggest problem. Defensively, they're not taking the ball away, and uh, they just seem to be making one, two, or three mistakes. The quarterback uh, is giving up the football at inopportune times. As a coach, how can you fix that? How can you put everything back in order if you're Wade Phillips? Well, I think you got to start the season over. I think... You look at this game as the opening game. It's at home. They've they've not played well at their own stadium. I mean, if you watch the the Washington Redskins game, uh, they gave that game away basically at the end of half with with some careless play. Uh, The Chicago Bear game, they had some horrible snaps on defense, some uncharacteristic snaps where linebackers blitzed the same gap and they didn't cover Greg Olson. Just 
incredible errors that this football team is incapable of making. And you just have to shake your head, and you have to somehow get over it. Uh, kicking the ball off to Percy Harvard to start the second half and having them go 95 yards for a touchdown. Mariani did it to you the week before for the Titans. Head-scratching things that have happened that you just have to say, you know what, the penalties, the horrible plays that we have made, let's let's bury those and let's start this season over. Let's beat the New York Giants and be two games out and play Dallas Cowboy football. And I have a feeling that's what these, these guys are going to do. They have so many veterans. Uh, it, it's hard for these guys to not pick it up and play much better, I think. And as you mentioned on uh, your Monday night broadcast in Jacksonville, you made the point that uh, everyone in the NFC has two losses, period. There's, there's no, there's, it's ridiculous how uh, everybody in the, there's no undefeated teams, there's no one-loss one teams in the NFC right now. And in the AFC, it seems to me to be a wide-open conference as well, even though there are some teams with the better records, including the team with the best record right now, the Jets at 5-1. and one. Can you handicap this field for me after six weeks and tell me who the best team in the National Football League is in your mind, John? <laughs> no, I probably can't because I only study two teams a week. Mm-hmm. I have seen the Jets twice. Mm-hmm. I've seen them in the preseason. I would not want to play against the New York Jets. They will smash you. They are loaded with talent. They have a great offensive line. They're an outstanding defensive club. And Mark Sanchez is for real, Rich. He's really playing well. He understands this offense. I think the Jets right now, of all the teams I've seen, are the team to beat. I also spent a lot of time with the New Orleans Saints, and I still think when Sharper comes back, when Porter comes back, Reggie Bush, Pierre Thomas, come back. Watch out for the New Orleans Saints because they are really good and they are the defending champ. I'm picking the Saints and the Jets mm-hmm. to be in the Super Bowl right now. I've seen those two teams with my own two eyes, and I like them a lot. Uh, it starts with the quarterbacks. All right, John. We appreciate the time. We appreciate you coming uh, on after coming home. And Are you going to go to the Publix today or you take off the day the day after a travel? Do you, do you... Tuesday's my day off. I get a little nap, and I'm heading up to the high school field right now. We're going to have a little nine-on-seven drill. We're going to get our pads popping. <laughs> That's what's going on in your world today. We appreciate you, you taking the time, John. Hey, great talking to you. Thanks for having me, Rich. You bet. I, I really appreciate that. Say hi to Tariko and Rothman and the rest of the crew for me, will you? Will do. Thanks, man. That was John Gruden of Monday Night Football joining me here on the Rich Eisen Podcast presented by Papa John's. Coming up next, Gruden's predecessor in his chair in that booth, twice removed, Dennis Miller, will join me on the program. NFL Fantasy Live, your home for fantasy football. With a 90-minute live show every Sunday leading up to kickoff. With our interactive controls, you choose which segment to watch. That's finished through your average. Who is going to cover them? Get back to what made you good. Or go live as our fantasy experts help you set your lineup for the day. All those are interesting options. Get the last-minute edge over your competition. NFL Fantasy Live, Sundays at 1130, exclusively on NFL.com. Welcome back to the Rich Eisen Podcast, presented by Papa John's. He is the very first return guest we've ever had in the, in the short-lived life of our podcast, and we, we couldn't be happier because uh, he's welcome anytime he wants. You can hear him coast-to-coast coast on his Westwood One radio show every single week. I'm on 
at 11.30 every Friday with Dennis Miller, who can also be seen at the Barclay Theater in Irvine, California, on November 6th and 7th. Welcome back to the podcast, Dennis Miller. How are you, Dennis? I make my living on my return game, like Brian Mitchell, <laughs> who's about to be passed by the Roadrunner Club that is Devin Hester. Yes. Can't believe that record. That boggles the mind, man, that Hester's going to do that. I thought Mitch was in the books for good there, because that seems like such a quixotic thing, you know, like Supernat Smith will do it for a couple years and he goes away, but to have that many returns, pretty amazing achievement for that kid. I'll tell you, I'll tell you what, Dennis, Devin Hester needs to keep doing it because it looks like the Bears might be who we thought they were. They don't, they don't look like they're the uh, the NFC North champs in the making right now. Well, listen, uh, he's one of those weird ones, this kid Cutler. There's, it seems like he has everything. You need, and he even seems, well, you know, listen, uh, well, Jeff George used to get such happy feet in the pocket. This kid seems like a game or two, but something weird happens when he's honcho on a team. You know, you can have your Jim McMahons, you can have your Joe Caps, and then there's guys like Cutler who have it all, but something weird happens around the team. It's almost like his gun is so sweet that people lapse or something and think our guy can make all the throws. I don't quite know what it is, but something something's amiss there. And he also leads the league in post-game press conferences in shrugs and face scratches. You know, like he'll sit there and he'll shrug in his answers and then he'll scratch underneath his eye, like whether he's, I don't know what I it think is. He's a I'll be honest with you. I've been watching the kid for years. When yeah. you have that myriad of riches right. and you still look that hangdog, I think he might have, you know, just seems a little bummed out to me. One of those people who's not real happy. It's like Jeff George. I used to get the same vibe off him. I remember saying to Albino when we were on the air once, he said, mm-hmm. what do you make of George? I said, Al, he throws a pretty interception. And that's what I think about <laughs> A lot of people do bring up Jeff George when Cutler's name is mentioned, about a guy who is highly drafted, has an arm that everybody would always fall in love with. But in terms of team building and chemistry building, you know, he, he's sort of as the buzzword for the guy that you didn't want to hit your wagon to. And, and nobody knows what to make of Cutler yet because he, he, he is such – a quarterback uh, that you can fall in love with. And well, Mar- I'll tell you what, if Mart thinks he's a <laughs> he's going to throw him under the bus. Trust me. Because <laughs> Mart Mart's won't wait an extra week. If the kid better, he can be hangdog, he can be, uh, you know, uh, uh, above it all, he can be insouciant. If he ever comes off as a wuss, Mart's will crucify him well, publicly. Well, he he, Mart's was with us last year. And, and after Cutler did a post-game after five interceptions, a post-game shrug fest and and face scratch at the at the at the podium as if you know hey it's just another game and it didn't he, he didn't wear his disappointment really on his sleeve like a lot of quarterbacks would after a performance like that marts blew him up absolutely <laughs> blew him up in our studio i like that about marts he's tough to listen i don't know he's tough to budge off his uh his belief systems but I do think that he knows when somebody's BSing him, and he'll go public with it. He's like Parcells to that degree. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, who knows what the enigma is that Jay Cutler, but I'll tell you, there's something that uh, even Erlacher has looked me in the face. I had him on my radio show once and said, no, no, he's a gamer. He's tough. Mm-hmm. He's I've seen him take hits, and I put it all together, and I just can't figure it out. I, I don't know. Who who goes first, Cutler or Lovey? I'll bet you Lovey sees – I'll bet you Lovey goes first before Cutler does. Oh, there's no doubt about that. Because they always bet that arm, don't they? It's tough to find that arm. But if that arm ends up at a 383 career-winning percentage <laughs> like George, what good does it get you? Right, exactly. Mariucci thinks your Steelers are the best team. Team in the league. What do you say to that? Well, I love what Harrison said. Listen, you know, Harrison said, I hit people till they stop. It's like that old footage of the fan picking up the ball 
and Mike Curtis comes and clocks him. And they said to Curtis, what are you doing? He said, uh, he had the ball. I'm paid to hit the guy with the ball. Harrison's going to play by those rules until uh, they change the rules. And when they change the rules, I assume James Harrison's smart enough that he'll change his game. But until that moment, what do you have except the area around you has got to throb like boom, 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 when, when they're going across the middle. You know what I mean? It's, it's like uh, I look at Rodney Harrison. Now he's talking about how, uh, you know, they, they might have to change rules. I'm thinking all Rodney Harrison had towards the other is he got a, a couple extra peripheral feet on each side of him because they were scared witless of him. It's a physical game. I think they're trying to legislate it into silliness. I always assume when a young man steps up and says, okay, I'll take the risk, it's sort of like a gladiator thing. That's why they get paid a million bucks. It is a risky game, and I don't know if they're ever going to change it into flag football. And if they do, who's served by that? Just get rid of football We had point. We had the EVP of football operations on the podcast earlier, and he said that Teddy Bruschi and Rodney Harrison and all these players uh, who, who have played the game, Mike Haynes, who's got a, a you know a Century Twenty One jacket in a Canton, mm-hmm. uh, all said that players can adapt and should adapt, and that these rules are going to be enforced. They're going to have some teeth in it, and and it's on the players to adapt, and the game is still going to be good. That's what they say. All right. Well, we'll see. I'm just a fan. There are guys <laughs> who have to go across the middle on, uh, you, you know, uh, on Jack Tatum or over over their career. Right. So who am I to judge? I'm sitting there like, uh, you know, the the weekend warrior that I am on the weekend. But I'm telling you, there is a point where football, if it became just another acquiescence to the contemporary urge to get things perfect in lieu of getting them right, they would start to lose fandom at some point. You know, yeah, they can start doing magic acts, too, where they do the three cups and they're clear class plastic cups and you get to see where the ball is. And maybe for a while that brings the crowd in, but I'm telling you, somewhere down the road they go, I know where the ball is. And it's sometimes if they turn this in, I, listen, I can see the helmet to helmet. Some of that's crazy. That should get you a couple games. But you know as well as I do, there's a play once a week. You can hear it in Gruden. Gruden's the Rosetta Stone on all this. Listen to Gruden grumble when he sees a play that he thinks, oh, for God's sakes, isn't that the very essence of football? You saw that play in the Houston game, for God's sakes, where Johnson just pushes the kid from behind, and then the kid gets the penalty on him. He's what have I been taught my whole life to play if this isn't the game I'm playing anymore? Uh, And I'm saying this to all the listeners out there. You have no idea what my rundown was today, Dennis. We had Gruden on before you. Oh, you did? Oh, yeah. He's the greatest. Well, I love it when John grumbles because, listen, people aren't going to admit this. There's a little... uh, there's a gladiator thing about football. I don't Is that... Do we really watch it to have it perfect? When I watch those guys in a game where it's coming down to the end, and they go under that tent for five minutes. And, you know, they used to say, well, you have two minutes, and now it's two minutes to observe the call, then five minutes to... And I think, for God's sakes, this is just so emblematic of day-to-day life that we've figured everything out to the point where it's perfect in lieu of actually being right. It's football. Nobody wants to see guys hit guys in the helmets. If they want to lay down, that gets you one one week, two weeks out, fine, do that. But it's almost all the other interstitial stuff that's driving me crazy. The guys who are supposed to pull up half of, did you see that punt call the other guy? The guy signaled a uh, fair catch mm-hmm. with like one nanosecond left before the cat was upon him. Even at that point, the cat who was bearing down on him saw him fling it up at the last second, tried to divert his body, barely touched him, and they called penalty in the kid. I'm thinking, 
They're, they're missing the point. This isn't why people turn into – nobody turns in. Like, who did I hear? Tariko last night. He's there. Uh, we should see a lot of penalties tonight. This is a great ref. And I'm thinking, excuse me, I, I get the different de- de- definition yeah. of a ref. If there are no penalties, I don't want any no, calls. If there are some penalties, I want some called. If there are a lot, I want a lot called. But to say up front, it shows you the mindset they're in now, where Mike Tarico, the guy who's got to sell the soap for the NFL, says – he should call a great game tonight. There'll be lots of penalties. I thought, oh, for God's sakes, here we go. No, I agree with you that the, the best refs are the ones you don't hear from, you don't see. It's better to be, you know, not so Yeah, you ask the guy all. who's ripped if he feels good about being so out front now, Eddie mm-hmm. Hockley. Yeah? <laughs> really? You want to be that out front end? You want to come in ripped with the guns? You want to get the name Hockley out there? Now you're marked like Fred Merkel, right? Bad call. You know, he's a lawyer. And it, during and a the nice week. guy, but man, listen, you want to be anonymous. If I was them, I'd wear that mask from Scream at the rest of the game. They would never see me. <laughs> like the Gimp, maybe. You just, <laughs> you just come out like the Gimp. I know that might get a little bit of extra attention. But, uh, so when you, when you called the games on Monday night, yeah. who was your favorite coach to chat with before the game? And Johnny Gruden. Was really no question? <laughs> You didn't even hesitate. Gruden said so many funny things to me that he was just a, you know, I would ever reveal him. I mean, that's part of the exchange. And I'm not saying there were there controversy. He was just candid about players. I did like Martz. I thought Martz was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. A guy who treated me nice was Monty Kiffin. You know, I think Marnie gave me a whiff the first few games and said, screw this. This kid's a comedian. Mm-hmm. I'm not giving it up. And one time he came up to me in the lobby somewhere, might have been St. Louis, I'm not sure, Tampa Bay St. Louis game, and said, hey, kid, uh, it's not perfect, but I admire that you study. And then I noticed all the coordinators started to loosen up with me, so I assume there's some grapevine. But I find most of the guys pretty classy. There were a few ball busters, but uh, guess what? I wanted them to be ball busters. And I still got a uh, picture on my wall from Coughlin. Mm-hmm. So a picture that says, uh, Dennis, thank you for recognizing bull- when you see it. <laughs> Is that what he wrote? Yeah, Coughlin. Fantastic. <laughs> I've got it on the wall here in my office. Here's my favorite Coughlin story. I was at the owner's meeting in Hawaii. <laughs> okay, at, at the Ritz Carlton in, in in Hawaii, and you, here's the thing about an owners' meeting is you you always have to be ready. Certainly, if you're an NFL employee like me, you always have to be ready because you never know who's going to walk around the corner of the lobby or open you know, the elevated doors open up. Mister Kraft could come walking right. up. You have no idea. So I'm in the uh, the spa. Okay, it's downtime, and who joins me coming in in the white terry cloth bathrobe and the white terry cloth slippers? But Tom Coughlin. <laughs> Okay, and you and we have you know the Muzak is playing and 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 the little waterfall with the rocks that they have in the middle of the room, you know we're thumbing through the men's journal. Don't, I have no idea what to say to, to Coughlin, you know. And I swear to you, he says to me, "Do you know what time it is?" <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like, "It's five. It's five to 11. And and he goes, "Really?" And I'm like, "What time's your massage, coach?" And he goes, "Eleven." And gets up and storms out to go to the front to see where the masseuse is. <laughs> to get a rub down like Sean Connery at the sanitarium it's right. Thunderball. But apparently, I guess the masseuse has the same rules as Strand and everyone else, that five <laughs> minutes of is technically late <laughs> in his book. Perfect reference, you're right. I swear Top to you, he, w- he went up and went straight to the desk, the front desk, to find out where the masseuse oh, was. Oh, that is freaking hysterical. Yeah, to see the guys outside of the guys that you're used to them in. Is hysterical. And it reminds me, real quickly, it reminds me of the showbiz story you'll love. It has nothing to do with football coaches. But one time I work in Atlantic City at the Taj Mahal. I get in, and for some reason, it's the weirdest thing. This must be 15, 20, I don't even know when it was. Uh, 
I'm on SNL, I believe, and the elevator door opens, and standing in the back of the elevator is George Burns mm. in a tux. He's even smaller than you thought, mm-hmm. and Sybil Danning is next to him, some huge block. <laughs> There's a cop there, and they want to keep it clear for George, the elevator. The door opens, Burns looks up at me, he's got the scar in his hand, he goes, don't ask. And the door <laughs> <laughs> That's the extent of my exchange with George Burns in my life. Don't ask. They had to resuscitate me. I needed the paddles. I was on the floor. Fantastic. That's fantastic. Now, speaking of your Saturday Night Live days, the first cast that you were part of, Robert Downey Jr. was part of that cast? Yeah, God, they were ripping. And Randy Quaid, who I just heard has got another subpoena out of yeah. mm-hmm. I don't know what happened to Randy, man, but he's in some Bonnie and Clyde thing over yeah. there. They, they've <laughs> lost their gourd. I mean, when I knew Randy, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> I remember one night Randy and I were standing on the Sunset Strip outside the, the comedy store, mm-hmm. and he was great. I mean, Randy was very funny, Lucy. He and Dennis were screened together, and I remember Ron Jeremy comes up to Randy Quaid and I. <laughs> and we're standing, and he's a guy that love your comedy. We're both trying to, you know, like, you know, it's a little weird. And he, he said, Randy, I loved you in this. He knew all Randy's over. He said, Dennis, I love this joke. He walks away, and simultaneously, Randy and I turn to each other and go, I've seen him blow <laughs> off in a film. <laughs> When I was a young kid, we had a friend who got a job in the projectionist union. Oh when gosh. we were kids, we were like 17 years old. He ran the projectionist at a porn, like a porn theater. Mm-hmm. We used to go over with Robbie and we'd watch these porn films. And there was one where and I thought, Jesus, I don't know if I should say this to Randy. It's going to sound so weird. He turned to me and said it at the exact <laughs> So And we just howled. I remember us howling. So Randy's always been so lucid. I can't believe he's flipped. But we also had Anthony Michael Hall in mm-hmm. that cast, the kid from 16 Candles. Right. I knew he was going to flame. He was a little too young. He, you know, he didn't understand the combative nature of it. Downey was a genius. He used to do something called Suitcase Boy, mm-hmm. where I thought, this kid's got balls like as big as a Macy balloon. They put him in a suitcase and just leave his head revealed, and he'd sit on stage for five minutes at a time and just talk to the audience, and he was bulletproof. He That's would it? never budge off it. Suitcase to, Boy. Yeah, I remember going to shoot pool with him mm-hmm. down in Soho one night with uh, his young girlfriend, who turns out to be Sarah. I remember she was like 17 at that point, Bob mm-hmm. Downey and Sarah Parker, and I was shooting. No kidding. Yeah, next to Luke Chow's, there was a pool pool down there. I remember shooting, and this is my girlfriend, Sarah, and uh, I think back on both of them now, and uh, they were sweet kids, but Bob's a killer. Who else was in that cast? Denitra Vance, Terry Sweeney, Lovitz. Right, so Lovitz and you were the one of the only ones who survived. And Nora. I remember and they Nora, did that last sketch of the year where there was Nora a fire, mm-hmm. and Lorne ran in and grabbed Lovitz. And Nora and I were on the fence for a while, but then they kept us because they had so many fish to fry. They had to figure a lot of things out. So Nora and I and Lovitz came back. And then imagine that infusion in a towel. You're sitting there waiting to see who they bring to camp. I look up, and it's Mike Myers, Dana Carvey, mm-hmm. Phil Hartman, wow. Jan Hooks. I'm thinking, Kevin Nealon, I'm thinking, well, this this is an infusion of talent. Bill Pullian must have taken over the front office. <laughs> yes, they're all first-round draft choices, no yeah, doubt about Hartman that. Was, Were the, was that the first time you ever met those all of them? No, no, Dana and I had been on the road. Uh-huh. And who else did I know? Kevin. I didn't know anybody else then. I didn't know Phil. And I remember looking at Phil thinking, boy, this cat's buttoned down. I wonder what his deal is. And then I watched him work the first show. Hilarious. He had 13 parts, and he had a binder that was all broken down into uh, segments with those little 
plastic appliques a kid uses in his binder. Mm-hmm. He's got each sketch broken down. Well, his, you know, what the characters, ticks are, his motivation, his lines. I'm looking, I'm thinking, I get it, CIA killer. This kid's red a dare. You drop him into the oil fire and he puts out <laughs> anything. Phil was an absolute beast. Man. Genius, a genius. Yeah, at, at gave, a... gave me goosebumps. I told him that one night, three three days, or uh, three years into our tenure, I said, you know, Phil, I'm going to remember a lot about this show. And I, I could tell it meant a lot to him because he never was self-aggrandizing. But I said, uh, you know, Warren Beatty and Jack Nicholson always used to have this thing that I dug where they would call each other pro. Mm-hmm. And that was like the ultimate accolade. You know, you'd say, hey, pro, what's pro? And I said to Phil, you know, whenever I think of pro, I'm going to think of you. You're an absolute killer, man, and I've never seen you not come with your bag packed. And he, he could tell that's all Phil wanted. He didn't need the highlight. He didn't need the awards. He just wanted to know that the guys in the trenches, like sort of Kurt, Kurt Warner thing, right. where you look at the guy and you go, well, he's going to be good today, so I better pack my bag. Well, every time, because, uh, you know, um, th- there's one thing on NFL Network that we're not allowed to talk about, and it's fine with me. Is, we, is that Ron Jeremy <laughs> No, that's not, now there's two. Now there's two. Well, get rid you're of that pushing, story if it's too weird. No, you're pushing the envelope. You're pushing the envelope. You knew that though about Jeremy. <laughs> so there's now two things that we're not allowed to talk about. All right, but the ahead. one thing that we can't talk about for sure is gambling. We can't talk about yeah. a- anything to do with that. And that's fine with me sure because enough. anybody who needs that through there, there's so many different places to get your information if you require that information. But there are many times that we have people on you know, on Total Access or this podcast who mentioned gambling. I mean, Jimmy Kimmel, when he came on our show in year two, that's all he talked about was over, under this. Larry David, when he came on the show a couple of weeks ago, uh, asked flat out, what's the line on this game? And every time that happens, I say I turn into unfrozen caveman lawyer and basically say, your gambling terms confuse me. I, I don't know what you mean by that stuff. And it, it, that just And that just, that was a Phil Hartman sketch that was just sort of uh, a real... I mean, that was really out there, the unfrozen caveman lawyer. Yeah, I still use it on my radio show and so on when we hit a wall. Your earth jokes confuse and <laughs> threaten me. And yeah, it was a... absolute genius. I mean, I remember watching Phil work out the, the beats on that. That was one of the things I dug about. I never had those talents to work out character beats or that. Mm-hmm. My sort of things like scat and line-oriented. And mm-hmm. uh, When I would watch Carvey, Carvey had a thing where he could listen to it for a second glean the essence, distill, throw away the extraneous voice uh, things that weren't necessary and get to the iambic pentameter of it. (laughs) It used to give me goosebumps. And Phil, when he would sit down and get into that lock and load thing where he'd figure out the smallest moment and make that his strength, Okay, you know, those two guys, when you were close to them, watching them, mm-hmm. you'd go, God, that's I'm getting goosebumps talking about Phil right now. Because, like I said, he was lean and mean on Saturdays. You couldn't even get in his face. He wouldn't notice you. He was just locked, okay. ready to go. And and his whole thing was to get cooler as it got closer to air. Hey, by the way, have you seen Lombardi yet? No, I have not. Oh, I went over and saw it. Man. In, in New York it. City, the the uh, Yeah, the you'd play. think it. It's a little, it starts a little weird, you're thinking. You know, it, it came down to... That or uh, I was going to go see Larry O'Brien in Rent, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> but I decided to go see Lombardi. Right. And uh, at, at the beginning, you're thinking, can they make a play out of this? But they do a nice job, man. There's that clarifying factor of how non-neurotic Lombardi was mm-hmm. about getting from A to B, which is the through line, sort of. But the stage projection has some of the old Facenda films on it, mm-hmm. and the, the woman who plays his wife is amazing. There's yeah, a horny character. Judith Light plays... Uh, oh, is that who that is? Yeah. Well, she's... she's and then uh, we had... Uh, 
we had the the uh, the guy who plays Lombardi, the father from Wonder Years. Yeah, Dan thing. Laurier. Dan Laurier was yeah, he on our show. Yeah, out of the park. Afterwards, this woman comes up to me in the crowd. She said, "Dennis, my father's a fan of yours from uh, uh, the O'Reilly Factor, Chuck Mercine." I look at Chuck and I go. Baby Bulls, Ernie Coy, Tucker Fredericks, and Steve Thurlow. He gave you the biggest smile, man. It was so fun to bump into him. He was at the Gents, I think, before he got moved on to the Packers. Uh, Chuck Mercine, he looked like a million bucks. And then he went to rent to see the doubleheader. <laughs> Did you like Larry O'Brien? <laughs> it was either that or uh, Kennesaw Landis and yeah. Starlight Express. <laughs> Starlight Express. <laughs> Kennesaw Mountain Landis. Of course he'd be on roller skates. Why wouldn't he be on roller skates on Broadway? I, I like playing with Isaac because it's the deepest drawer I run across <laughs> on a daily basis. Dennis, we always appreciate you. You can come on anytime. All right, baby. I'm sorry about that story. Should I not have told no, you? No, 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 no. It's called bleeps. We'll bleep that all right, stuff. Yeah, it's that. All, no, it's, it's all good. And like I said, you're just you're just expanding the things we can't talk about. In all the right. Well, I'm glad to lay down more Chris. I'll talk I'll catch you soon, Ricardo. You bet. That's Dennis Miller. You can listen to him on Westwood One Radio, coast to coast, every day, and also see his comic stylings at the Barclay Theater in Irvine, California, on November 6th and 7th. Dennis Miller, the one and only. And that wraps up this edition of the Rich Eisen Podcast. I want to thank my producer, Matt Lathrop, senior producer, Drew Olmeyer, for helping book some of these guests, Mike Del Tufo and Sarah Chilson sitting on the other side of the glass. Thanks to Ray Anderson, John Gruden, Dennis Miller, Charlie Hook, and The Worm for coming on. This podcast was so long that after Ray Anderson hung up the phone, he fined Brandon Merriweather $50,000 for that helmet-to-helmet hit and another one as well, so there's no suspension. We're actually breaking news at the end of the podcast uh, after uh, Ray Anderson came on to talk about these helmet-to-helmet hits earlier on. I want to let you know about this great uh, charity event that I'll be taking part in on Thursday night of this week. It's the Comedy Central Night of Too Many Stars, an overbooked concert for autism education. John Stewart's the host of this thing. Uh, tons of, there truly is a night of too many stars. George Clooney, Tom Hanks, Jimmy Kimmel, uh, Betty White, Adam Sandler, Conan O'Brien are just some of the few that are getting together to raise money uh, to educate people on autism and the scourge of autism. I think a lot of us all know people who have autism uh, or have autism in their family. And uh, this is, again, a, a, an event to raise funds for awareness and hopefully prevention and uh, eradication of this horrible, horrible condition, autism and disease. And you can go to ComedyCentral.com slash stars to donate any amount of money. A $10 donation can be made by texting stars to 90999. And um, this is Thursday night. I'll be manning some of the phones there uh, at this uh, live charity event, The Night of Too Many Stars, an overbooked concert for autism education. You can also follow me on Twitter at Rich Eisen, on my blog, richeisen.nfl. Dot com and also on Facebook.com slash Rich Eisen. And also, don't forget to visit the newly revamped PapaJohns.com for a better way to get a better place. That was uh, a fun podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. We will see you next week.